Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to come and worship together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart ever be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. My name is Derek White. Wendy and I have been part of Barney's for the last 16 months. We have three adult sons and are just recently starting to enjoy a new phase of life, the empty nester. I'm a high school deputy principal at William Carey Christian School and an issue I deal with from time to time is that of integrity. It is one of the most valuable things that kids can develop in their time at school and it's an absolute imperative for me as deputy principal. When Joe asked me to speak today, he gave me free reign on the topic, so I thought living with integrity as a Christian was a good choice to talk about. So what is integrity? It's one of those words you probably know is a good thing, even if you don't actually know what it is. The dictionary has two definitions, honesty or uprightness, and perfect condition or soundness. Perfect condition or soundness could apply to a bridge. Take the Sydney Harbour Bridge, for example. Its condition may not be perfect, but it is sound. Show of hands, who's climbed the bridge? Who's seen the rusty bits? <clears throat> it actually is very well maintained, and we don't think twice about it falling down when we drive across it, or even climb up it. This bridge, however, doesn't look like I would get across safely. Would you trust each plank? Do you think the ropes are going to fray or are they going to hold you up? You can imagine there are also bridges that may look okay but with poor structural integrity. They won't always be able to carry the load they should. With people, the other definition is more appropriate. It's our honesty and uprightness that is important. It involves us being reliable and a person of good character. You can tell others how good you are, but if your walk doesn't match your talk, it's hard to convince others that you're a person of integrity. Like bridges, some people seem to be people of integrity, but they let you down and it's hard for you to trust them. Your integrity takes a long time to develop. It is a most valuable quality about you. And if you're not careful, it can be easily eroded. And what we're going to see today from the Bible is that our personal integrity really matters to God and why it matters to him so much. It is something he values very highly and it's of great importance if we are going to live lives that please him. Having integrity is the opposite of hypocrisy, which we know Jesus warned about so often. And as we'll see, it even has a profound impact on others coming to know him. If it's important to walk your talk, you have to get your talk right first. Culturally, we don't like people who speak lies or nonsense. 
I'm sure you can bring to mind the Aussie colloquialisms that describe them. Ah, oh, come on, mate, that's just... We don't like wrong talk, foolish talk, falsehoods. We value people more if what they say is sensible, correct, helpful and trustworthy. But how do you know that something said is good talk? If we're not good at it ourselves, how would we learn? How do you discern between being wise or foolish in what you say or do? My assertion is that first you have to be wise in what you think. Proverbs is particularly blunt in the way it characterises the choices we make as either wise or foolish. Open up to Proverbs 3, make sure that what I'm saying is what's in the Bible, I'm not just making it up on the spot. Proverbs 3 extols the virtues of wisdom, characterising it as valuable and precious. You can't get your talk right until you get your thinking right. Verse 21 entreats us to preserve sound judgment and discernment and not let them out of our sight. Wisdom and discernment are really important. Where do you find these things? The Christian view is that wisdom comes from God and is found in the Bible. Verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Wisdom is not found in you. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Foolishness is going to come from your own thinking or from the world around you. Here are some examples of foolish thinking from the news in the last few weeks. I am a federal minister and the taxpayers won't mind if I use their hard-earned tax dollars to pay for my trips for acquiring property on the Gold Coast. Or, I am a famous and talented entertainer known for my wobbleboard and young girls and women won't mind if I grope them. Or the most recent one, I'm really angry and it's okay if I drive around Melbourne like an idiot and when I drive down the footpath and mow people down, that'll show them. Wisdom isn't found in us. Instead, the Bible tells us it is found in God. Verse 7 continues on to say, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now this is not saying be afraid of God. The sense here is to revere him. Our relationship is to be a loving, reverent one where we submit to his lordship over our lives and obey his commands laid out in his word. We let him direct our lives. Verses 5 and 6 lay this out clearly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. To trust him with all your heart and acknowledge him in all you do is to overtly say 
God is your sovereign Lord. You let him be the source of your wisdom and you don't mind telling people that this is the case. And there is a benefit. He will make your paths straight. He will remove the obstacles that your own foolishness may create and allow you to achieve the good things you aim to do. An example of God's wisdom versus human foolishness is humility versus pride. It's easy to speak of pride. I'm proud of my work. I am proud of my kids. I am proud to be a Christian. I'm proud to be an Aussie. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16.18 goes further. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing a good job or having great kids or living a good Christian life or being in the best country in the world. But to build yourself up about it just makes you look silly if things go wrong. Rather, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for the work I have been able to do. Thanks for my great kids. Thanks for bringing me back in relationship with you through Christ. Thanks for my blessed life in this country. Humility is such a wise attribute to develop and it takes time and will. It is certainly God's expectation. In Micah 6.8 we read, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Humility is biblical wisdom, if only we will look for gems like these. I want to take you to the book of 1 Timothy as an example of the importance of living with integrity. 1 Timothy was a letter Paul wrote to this young man that he had left in Ephesus to advise him on how to continue to do the job of overseeing the Ephesian church in his absence. Let's look at God's wisdom through Paul to Timothy and see what is applicable to us. Firstly, integrity as a person. Reading from verse 11, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. The things Timothy was to teach included correcting the wrong teachings of others. But note the way he was to do it. He was to have the courage of his convictions, despite his age. To be a good example to other Christians would mean to have an understanding from God about how to speak well, act well, love others well, and live life faithfully, trusting God's promises. 
Note that if he was to be an example in speech and conduct, they'd have to match up. He'd have to walk his talk. He'd have to be a person of integrity. God is telling us here to be people of integrity. The second part is about his job description. Reading from verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. This is Timothy's job description. But we are not Timothy. Only two of us are overseeing a church. So while it's not our job necessarily, it does give us a good clue as to what to value in a church, how to evaluate our ministers. Is this a place where Joe and David and the occasional drop-in lay preacher faithfully preach from the Bible to teach us godly wisdom and how to apply it to our lives? And what about us non-ministers? Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So write your own verse 13. For me, the job description would include being a a loving husband, teach physics well, be a wise and capable deputy principal, train capable student leaders from a Christian perspective, be an effective work health and safety manager and be a helpful brother in Christ to others. What would yours say? Whatever yours says, don't neglect the ways you've been gifted. Accept that this is what God wants you to do or seek whatever else God may want you to do and understand that the way you do it is really important. Do it with wisdom and discernment. The third thing I want to bring to you is about how you walk your talk. Reading from verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The things that you do and the way that you do them are to be done diligently, wholeheartedly and visibly. Others are to see how well you are fulfilling your role. And under the gaze of others, Paul writes, watch your life and doctrine closely. Our doctrine is the biblical teachings of God. We have to watch our doctrine closely. Make sure our thinking is biblical. It matters that we think in God's kind of ways about him, about ourselves, about our world and the people around us. At William Carey, we summarise it as living God's way in God's world as God's image. 
Here's a broad overview of Christian doctrine. God created the world good and gave mankind the job of taking care of the world, living under God's authority. Man rebelled and the consequence was to be cut off from God. We can't fix this ourselves. Our judgment was death. God, in his mercy, fixed the problem even though we don't deserve it. He sent Jesus to die the death we deserved. With the penalty paid, we can come back into relationship with God when we accept that Jesus has saved us through his death and resurrection. Living again under God's authority, we do what we do God's way. Now, there's plenty of fine detail that goes with this and plenty of opportunity for us to muck up living under God's authority and being foolish. We won't always be good at this. And James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. I'd go further than saying we won't be always good at this. I don't think a day will go by without me being foolish about something. How about you? I often start the day asking God to give me wisdom and discernment because I am conscious that I have a propensity for saying and doing dumb things. The place we will find that wisdom is in the word of God. Knowing it, though, is not good enough. Not only must you watch your doctrine, you must watch your life too. They must line up. What you say and what you do must be the outworking of a correct knowledge and understanding of the wisdom found in the Bible. And we must persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The proof of our acceptance of the saving work of Jesus on the cross is a life lived in obedience. A disobedient life will encourage others into foolishness. An obedient life will encourage others into wisdom. Why on earth would a non-Christian person consider changing their whole basis of their life if they see Christian people being inconsistent, erratic, contradictory between what they say is important compared to what they actually do. Our hypocrisy won't draw them to Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus thinks of hypocrites, take your Bible, flick over to Matthew 23. In the Pew Bibles, it's page 958. Jesus is having a real go. He's having a real go at people for all the times when their walk doesn't match their talk. I'm going to look at verses 27 and 28, but if you scan the 26 verses that precede it, you can see that Jesus is really winding up. And he says, 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Just like someone wouldn't want to tackle that dodgy bridge I showed you at the start, they won't want anything to do with a dodgy-looking person. Convince people that your faith matters because they see that your way of living a Christian life with integrity is actually desirable. So, to sum up, Integrity really matters to God. And as to people who know him, whose sins are forgiven, our aim is to please God. And being people of integrity is vital to that. We need to have integrity for God's sake. We need to have integrity for our own sake. And we need integrity for the sake of others. So be a Christian of integrity. Seek the wisdom of God. Speak with wisdom. Act with wisdom. And show the world the value of a life led as a wise child of God. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom we find in your word. We are weak and fragile people and we don't get it right. We pray that you would draw our hearts and minds to the Bible where you will show us the difference between foolishness and wisdom. Give us a clean and malleable heart, a wise heart that values you, that seeks to please you and seeks to show others Jesus in the way we live our lives. Amen.